I think I I'm I'm uh, I tend to believe them a little bit more. I want to give them that benefit of the doubt if we're talking about whether this is a performance or not. Um, also knowing that it, it's Guaito is just beloved by everyone. Yeah. You know, it, it it I can't really be like, oh, you you don't you love Guaito? Name five songs. You know. <laughs> <laughs> you know? our second episode thank you so much for listening to the first one everyone really appreciate the positive feedback and uh yeah we're hoping to give you some more content some you of this cut more. your hair you look nice thank you uh, i had to look nice for this podcast dang it <laughs> all right our second episode deals with the seminal album halloween hello, hello. Hello which came out i believe on halloween day 31st yeah. of october uh, 1998 by maybe the most popular Kwaito group to ever exist TKZ yes. and uh, we're just going to be having a discussion about that album what makes it so important especially for us who were born in a post TKZ world uh, where we arrived and could formulate ideas and thoughts after TKZ um, and not really having known a world before they entered the music scene and I think that's really interesting just to see how much impact that they had because I was two years old when the album had come out you were one and you know obviously I have no recollection of it but I have such a strong memory of seeing the Dalama Pantula video for the first time it's like etched in my mind and I always regarded as one of like the best South African music videos ever made just because of how much happiness there is and just what it represents and I just thought to myself if there's like a quintessential South African art product if I could say it like that it's that video the way that it was packaged and it's just like man this is the life you know, I, I couldn't really imagine Kwaito outside of this video um, so I mean let's get into it like what do you think makes this album so I don't know so important yeah I think um, I was thinking about it and I know we were talking about it in terms of so Halloween wasn't the only good album of 1998 I mean in that same year Mdu released Mdu released Mdu or Die yes in that same year Bongo Muffin released the concerto in that same year um, Tebe released Top Dog or Top Dog and what makes words of wisdom yeah but what makes because all of these projects as good as they were i think this is the one project that had you one know, stands out yeah. like also just back to back bobs on mm-hmm. bobs mm-hmm. doesn't sound like there's a single filler mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. project mm-hmm. it's just banger after banger it's structured so well and a cohesive piece that really speaks to the structure of the album mm-hmm. um in terms of gen general popular music mm-hmm. just the structure of you know this album sends this message it's a cohesive piece mm-hmm. um but yeah and i think i would st- i think we should start with the fact that this album was made in two weeks in two weeks um i think they almost said 10 days but two weeks is what 10 days is yeah rounded off that's not even like, yeah yeah that's not even full two weeks and that just that actually just speaks to i don't know maybe the talent and it also really in my mind it's like damn if they can make this in two weeks in two weeks and it's enduring just imagine what they could have made if they weren't rushed because we know that they had a obligation to fulfill um in terms of the record label bmg yeah emi um needing the album and they had to put this together not not really rushed but as quickly as they can um and um yeah i think one of the the pieces of 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 um writings we could reference is your book with Sile 
um, Tembu or Ntukwaito. And um, I, I, just to sidetrack a little bit, I, I kind of am disappointed that there weren't any anniversary posts mm. for this. And I know we talked about documentation in the first episode, but um, I think it has to come up again. Just the fact that this album is so important and mm. no one really took that opportunity to write a 20-year anniversary piece. Um, but I, uh, yeah, I got to read the chapter that you wrote uh, on TKZ and basically Sishin. the album. Sisi, yes, the co-author of Onto Kwaito. And, um, and they were speaking about the fact that they had to do it in, 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 in 10 days and that pressure. But I, I kind of get the sense that um, Zwai has this really big dissatisfaction with the idea that it could have been better. Yeah. And it, it actually, um, he actually references it as well in the East Coast Radio interview that they did to celebrate the album. And it seems like what we got is basically just the crumb yeah, you know, of what could have been. Yeah, especially when he talks about the We Love This Place. Um, yeah, that being a draft. He essentially said it's a draft. We heard a first draft. And that blows my mind. Guys, somewhere out there in the world. There's a second draft. Is there a rendition of We Love This Place that has a children's choir? Excuse mm. me, mm. Mr. Zwei, mm. give that shit. <laughs> uh, in the East Coast Radio interviews, while well, they talked about how um, during the summer winning year when they did the Halloween album and they won those four awards, uh, they were going to do a performance of that song with Moses Mulele, Kwan Keys, and um, some other some other artists. I forgot their name, but it seems like there were so many ideas that could have been packaged within the yeah. album that we couldn't get because of that time constraint. And that just makes me wonder of what, of what could have been, really. It blows my mind, really, that in another universe where they had more time, what type of album would we have had? You know, maybe in, if they had more time, we wouldn't have even had an album. Oh, that's... That's also a that's thing. That's another thing. Yeah, but um, for me, like, when I think about TKZ mm-hmm. Halloween, I think about... First of all, this is not TKZ's debut album. It isn't. Because we like to think of it as TKZ's debut album, but this is actually like the first album that sort of made it into mm. South African popular mm. Mm. South African popular performance, um, popular culture. It's their first full length album. So yeah, this is the first thingy. Um, sort of this is their successful and I guess we've thought of it as a debut for so long, but it actually wasn't a debut because before that there was the E P called Take It Easy. Um, and the Palafala EP after that. And the Palafala and EP. She sh- Shiwawa EP after There was that. no Shiwawa EP. It was, yeah. It was. came with an EP. What was in the EP? Shiwawa, the song, and a remix of it, and a song called Gaz, and a song called Serenade. Hectic. Yeah. So there was a lot of experimentation. A lot, but all of these are EPs and not full-length uh, albums, mm, to yeah. go to what you were saying. Yeah. But, um... So, yeah, what stands out about... Halloween. About Halloween for me, I think it's just thinking about the flirtatious relationship mm. that they had with jazz and classical music, mm-hmm. and I think we would both agreed would both agree that this is heavily owed to the fact that Zwaibala was in Drakensberg Boys Choir and he was first here. black Drakensberg Boys Choir mm. student, yeah, and he was a classically trained yep. musician, so yep. it wasn't. You know, and I think that's that's a fresh take on Guaido to begin with mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. I mean a lot of them had influence in the um and they had experience in the music field, but not so much as classically trained people, yeah. I think. Yes. And when you think about later the influences that he brings in Uzwai and also just Moses Mulegwa just going about the mm-hmm, but anyway, mm-hmm. that's another Befriending story. Him, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's another story. But yes, so for me, um jazz plays like a big a major role in the making of this album, classical music, mm-hmm. and sort of going into the album, I think from the very beginning of the project, when you hear the, the intro called Come, and you hear these these horns and this violin, mm. and you're like... The beat in itself also reminds me of something that like Timberland was doing in, mm. the, in the 90s with that very like you know sporadic type of structure. It's not like a straight groove, it's not linear. It's yeah. like a little bit all over the place if you don't catch the one. But it was just like, whoa, I mean, like, this is not a prototypical Kwaito Yeah, yeah, song. definitely. And I think um, even, because I think Kwaito relied very heavily on bass. Yeah. 
and that that very intro i don't recall it ha- it having a, a singular bass no, chord in there's it there's just some sense in it's it it's lots of sense yeah and there's a door opening <laughs> sample mm, in there mm. it's 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 cinematic in a way it's yes. kind of painting a picture not so much just be like here's the first song start dancing yeah yeah i think um one of the things that also um Sihlem Tembu touches on and born to guido is that the album is sort of a celebration and if you think about the fact that okay maybe these guys have had these EPs or whatever but this is now this is the year after Ishibobo Shibobo and Palafala have same come year out. Shibobo yes and Palafala came out the year before oh yeah yeah, yes, yeah yeah yes sorry so they're sort of and these are songs that that gained like major mm-hmm. mainstream success they were rising so now people are going oh this is TKZ yeah. and they come out of this album and they're like yeah I'm on top of the world yeah exactly I mean it was also two no sorry not two four years after the end of Apartheid as well um, so the whole country was in this really jubilant mood and uh, for them it's even more emphasized by the fact mm. that they're becoming superstars yeah r- really quickly in a way um, from the fact that they had a really smash, a really big smash single in '97 mm. with Palafala, and now they're like having the country anticipate an album from them. Um, I, I mean, I just think you, c- you couldn't help but be like overly joyous yeah. every single time I that think, you saw them. I think it's particularly interesting when you think about um, sort of the fact that okay, TKZ was this promising thing, and everyone was excited about them, yeah. and then at the end they have this relationship where they fall out. <laughs> If you're gonna link it to the story of apartheid, oh god, the, of these guys, the like, calm down of the calm down, wow. yes, yeah. exactly. I oh, think that's wow. a very interesting way, it is. Um, because I, I, it, I think it's the perfect album for the honeymoon period that we had as South Africa. Um, and what in what joy and excitement that we had, I th- especially for young black people, because um, my understanding of quite those that it's just the music of young black people when it came yeah. out it was their chance to express themselves um, when the previous generation probably had bubblegum and um, or bubblegum pop sorry and uh, what quite represented was just that you know that that finally moment and that like this is the start of something new you we know? love this place we love this place is, is a perfect example of that and just the joy in that and yeah it, like that metaphor is, is, is sticking in my mind mm. right now <laughs> It's really dark. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but you you were speaking about the album and the first song, and you, I think breaking down the, the fact that they had so much musical influences yeah. in it, like jazz was one of the things. Yeah, what? I think um, I think after the calm intro, it goes into my gish. Yeah. 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 And yeah. I think that's when we sort of hear like the the quiet of the it but even there yeah. like there's a lot happening it's a lot of synth a lot of bass lots of layering a lot a lot of layering mm. and um i know that album was if we're gonna shout out you know quite dope producers it was produced by a godfrey pilane who would mm. produce for uh, malaika mm-hmm. and who was mm. generally very influential in the making of the album mm. And I think that a lot will be said about just the sort of the group project yeah. of, of, of Guaito because it was a major group project. It, was, it wasn't yeah. a thing of people leaning on that. But um, I think that like that just that item already, you're, you're going away with so much. Yeah, I think it also is such a great song to kickstart. I mean, obviously there was an intro, but it's such a great but song yeah. to kickstart the album because you start like in this like really, really comfortable place. Um, and what I and what I like about the production really is just the fact that um, when you think of what um, quite it was even in '98, and you mentioned those albums that had come out in that same period, but the, um, what we think of Guaido initially had a lot to do with uh, house and disco yeah, samples yes. um, from the '80s mostly, and you can hear like it's just like a straight dance grooving beat, you know, like just you know. Get on the dance floor and use I, yourself. I always, um, sorry, when I, yeah. when I have to simplify, simplify Guaido mm-hmm. for someone who's never heard of it, who's not from South Africa, mm-hmm. I say just picture a house beat <laughs> slowed down by some t- ten, mm-hmm. um, ten BPMs. beats per minute, yeah. and and then just a lot of bass added. Yep. Because it, it sort of became that formulaic. Yeah, and there was that formula that a lot of those albums that you had mentioned kind of ride on. But 
the different thing about Halloween is that they were giving us musicality. Yeah. Something that was a little bit more experimental. In that sense, like it was very left of center for what Kwaito was. Um, and it goes back to the genius of his wife that you mm, had mentioned mm, and mm. what he had influenced uh, the group to do, as well as the collaborators that you said. And I believe that a lot of them actually had a hand on some of the productions um, beyond just, you know, why I call them the, the shots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they know, speak about together, it being yeah. a group project in yeah. general. What I love about it, going back to um, to Sikhle's piece, um, in the, the chapter in the book, he uh, gets a quote from Cabello who says that we were essentially music nerds mm. and we were buying. <laughs> That's your shit. Yeah, I mean, like this. So, uh, I'm, I'm gonna get to my point, but it's like, yeah. So they were talking about how they were just buying a lot of albums at the time, consuming it, listening to it, breaking it down, sort of like what we're trying to do for this podcast. And that really spoke to me because it it feels like it's as much as it is a really good album to play at the club at a family bry or whatever. It's an album for music nerds. Yeah. And what they're doing is so far beyond just they giving you um, here you go some songs to feel good. There's more than that. I think there's a fulfillment in terms of what they were trying to achieve on a theoretical level. Yeah, and it's. Uh, I think it's yeah. even in the richness of like the fact that you can leave. A Guaido song going who's on the brass <laughs> because I know that that's one of the things that I was thinking about when I was listening to um, We Love This Place. Yep. Just going, okay, who's behind this? Um, although I think the harmonica was was a little was bit, a synthesizer. Yeah, it's a synthesizer. It was like a MIDI keyboard harmonica. Yes, or something yes, like yes. That, yeah. But just listening to it and going, oh, who's doing this? Yeah. I think that's a musicality that we were not used no, to. No, you weren't. Cause there's a certain level of effort to actually know how to play the instrument and get a you know, a note sequence or a chord progression and just, like, work on that. And really, okay, we did speak about the fact that everyone had a hand in it and, you know, they would help each other. But going back to the genius of, of Zwaip, Bala, um, I think for what Kwaito was... Bala. Bala, sorry. For what Kwaito was for a lot of people in, in like, in those albums that you had referenced, it was, like, a production team. You yeah. Know, Galao Jasmine or yeah. something. Yeah, yes. And with Zwaip, it's just, like... This is just the mastermind, yeah, and you know, just his like you said, his his background. Um, I believe also at the time that he had uh, been the first black person to be at the music of the Royal Music Academy of Edinburgh in Scotland. Word. Yeah, and uh, he was getting his PhD. Oh, and he word. came back to the country before finishing his PhD because he just missed home. Um, he also had the highest exam. Uh, marks for for voice examinations in music in the world at the time. So it, it was just like if you got so much level of professionalism and and and, mm. and I don't know just pure genius coming into an album. There's no coincidence that it sounds so rich in sound compared to whatever else was in the landscape of that's news to me. Yeah. Um, I remember particularly even before this project. Um, what's the song? Um, Palafala. Palafala. Yeah. Hearing Palafala, mm -hmm. okay, I am more Joni Mitchell inclined than mm -hmm. Janet Jackson, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I hear it, I'm like, oh, Palafala samples big yellow taxi <laughs> by Joni Mitchell. That's a very interesting Guaido sample. Mm -hmm. mm, it is. Yeah, and I mean, people will theorize that actually it was the. Um, Got Till It's Gone by Janet Jackson. Got Till It's Gone by Janet Jackson, we'll never know. But I think there's a richness in yeah. in Zwei Bala's musical history yeah. that it could that it could be. I, like I, I wouldn't doubt it because the they just doing some research and mm. just looking at the stuff that they loved talking about in terms of music. So I will tell you about Handel and Beethoven and classical composers. Then he'll tell you about Mace and Buster Rhymes um, because Cabello and um, um, Umakesh was also listening to that. Yeah. And they were just coming together with all their different influences and they were just sharing those. But I really wouldn't put it past them to be a Joni Mitchell fan. To be, yeah. And I think um, when you talk about sort of the musicality of it, it's sort of the depth that they go to to sample mm -hmm. um to sample other people's music because yeah. it's not just you know okay this is the nearest R&B yeah. piece that exists they're going or like the house and disco stuff that we're yes, talking about yes they're yeah. going we're going to sample Quincy Jones mm -hmm. we're going to sample Lionel Richie mm -hmm. we're going to and I mean there's nothing new about listening to Lionel Richie but to put it in, in a quite thing. yeah format um, it's just genius 
I think it's later that a, a remarkable sampling, sambulation yeah. happens in Kwaito with Udon Kai, where they sample Pavarot <laughs> um, Zola 7. It probably wouldn't have happened, though, without... I mean, Shibobo in itself, the song, sticking to 1998 and the year that TKZ had, the final countdown by Europe, you know, like, who thinks of that? Like, who, yeah. who listens to that and be they like, They had a you very know what? interesting relationship yeah. with something. Uh, their palette was, was just yeah. in more advanced than people take it for. I, I really I really don't think that um, people understood how much of music nerds that they were. <laughs> you know, hectic major music nerds. Um I think also for me to go back to sort of um, the, the euphoria of the post-apartheid moment mm-hmm. in terms of this project, it's um, before I learned that the track Sigalela, because the track Sigalela samples um, Quincy Jones's Sanford and Sun theme, but before I learned that, I was thinking about how it samples the national anthem. Uh-huh. 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 Um, sort of that Ngosa Sigalela yeah. and everything, and sort of. Yeah. Just the laser fair. I think it captured the laser fair attitude of because a big, a major beef that people had with Guaido is oh, it's this bash culture. Mm. It's this you know we don't care about apolitical. anything, apolitical, whatever. And they're going like concert, <laughs> all that stuff. You know, in their sick. music, yeah. I think I think that's I think it's also, firstly I, I found out the other day that's where um, Ron Josie comes from. Yes, music, yes, which, really which is listening. another conversation we're yeah, gonna have well, a little bit later or another day. But I just like, um, I like that point because I think part of the reason that, um, going back to what you're saying, that people don't take white or so serious or didn't take white or so seriously, uh, before it was something that you couldn't deny, was just based on the fact that there didn't seem to be any sort of effort behind what you were doing. You know, when we're going back to the structure of a Kwaito song, besides the house sampling and stuff, a lot of it had to do with a lot of random chanting of phrases. And it's the same phrase that you repeat over and over again that becomes a little bit like a, uh, a mantra for mm, the song. Mm. And no certain lyricism to it. And what, you know, you talked about the music and the production, but what TKZ brings is a lyricism. It's a, yeah, and they're very it, hip-hop. Yeah, they actually thought of themselves as a, as a South African hip-hop group. They were more... Uh, war- warm to that, they were warmer to that idea than them being quite though. Actually, I just read something that they didn't really, yeah, I've also they read weren't that. so hard about that. I, term. I always think about Tukulo on, I think my favorite line on that entire project is because it's timeless, man. <laughs> Devin, and it captures everything. Mm-hmm. It's him going, The world just seems to be too high to get over, yeah, 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 yeah. too low to get under. <laughs> and I'm just like, Oh, that's brilliant, and um. <laughs> And Gabelo saying this world is full of dirty tricks. Mm-hmm. Actually, that never trust a trick. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, there's a lyricism yeah, here yeah. that maybe you had seen with um, Varvas J yeah. with Scheme yes. just, the just the year before. But it wasn't, to be honest, it wasn't a common feature. And in it wasn't terms consistent. Of, it's consistent yes, the way that they yes, were doing Because yes. they were rapping their asses off even in their previous projects as well. They really just wanted to cement the fact that, look, we're influenced by hip-hop so much. So we're not going to just come on here and, and give you just the three chants that you can go home and sing along because it's fun to say. But we're actually going to give you some mm, verses. Mm. <laughs> this is an A, B, A, B format to the song. You know, here's a verse, here's a chorus, here's a verse and a yeah, chorus. Yeah, yeah. Which is, I mean, totally mind-blowing to think of the fact that no one else was really doing that in the time. Especially as a group as well. Like three of them were all trying to bring in that emphasis of hip-hop and not just here's Kwaito and we can come and do all the dancing sit down and listen to what we have to say I think this is where we would talk about um, them calling their sound Gaz Gaz yes get, yeah yes um, we can do that yeah because yeah, the whole the whole thing about you know TKZ is okay sharp like we love Kwaito we recognize Kwaito and we participate in Kwaito culture but, but what's happening here is a lot than more that. than Kwaito yeah and them coming going, okay, I will call our sound gas because yes. no one else is doing what we're no doing. No one is doing it. And I think that that just makes it so, so much more. I, I think I just grew a lot more closer to what they achieved um, musically because of the fact that they were even ready to say we're not even quite though. Here's yeah. a new genre that you guys, you know, that you guys didn't even thought of or heard of uh, conceptually in South African music culture. And the fact that they gave it its own name as mm. well. And it really actually just makes me think of the fact that these guys are, are, are pioneers in more ways than one. Not just from the fact that they did commercially well, but musically, there's just 
far advanced to what you know anyone else was trying to achieve. I love the word guys. I love the fact that um, um, it it encapsulates what they were trying to do. So you're taking in R and B. Um, I think they one time called it township pop. Uh, lots of R and B, lots of hip hop. Um, I mean, going back to their previous works, uh, Take It Easy EP, and um, it, it it has this West Coast hip hop, Midwest hip hop feel with you know influences of Bone Thugs and Harmony and R and G. Only thing that's missing is like that G funk synthesizer. Yeah. But it has this very very slow. I think so when I hear it. sorry. Yeah. I hear. I mean, it's not quite G funk. No, but, but it, it has that bounce. It's hella fun. Yeah, yeah, it's got that bounce. Yeah. Going back to Guz as a genre, um, I, I, you know, the one point I wanted to make is that the fact that they were not afraid to do really slow songs. No. Um, you you mentioned together, which is I think the slowest song in the album, but I just no. love the bass line on that. Um, a, apart from obviously what we love this place, um, it can almost. I mean, we spoke once about punk ballads. These are white though ballads, you know, the way that it just oh. makes you relax and sit down and listen to it, and not so much, you know. I mean, you can dance, but I love the fact that they also willing to serenade you within the music as well. They have a couple of songs like that in their previous EPs. The Take It Easy self-titled song mm. on the EP. Mm. There's a song on the Palafala EP called Happy Summer Song, and I, it just blows my mind that that they were thinking of this and not really trying to go for the low-hanging fruit of Guaito. And let's give you a, a very, very radio, palatable Guaito song. I think that's how genre grows. It I is. Once it's formulaic, like, it's just... It dies. It stops because people are going to get tired of hearing the same thing. Not everyone, but not maybe everyone, people like but us. Yeah, because yeah. at some point you're just going, what are the innovations of yeah, the thing? Yeah, the innovations. Um... Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the production that they were bringing also comes from the fact that you mentioned that they were quite close with cats like Moses Molelekwa and um, they were frequenters at uh, the baseline at Kipi's uh, when that used to be a thing. And I think one thing that I love about them is that it always felt intentional. Yeah. Never out of Definitely. place. It never felt like this is just for the sake of it. I'm going to add a bra section like you had mentioned. Or I'm just going to add some synthesizers where the production has its moment and it's like well why did this come into that part of the song or why did that instrument come into this yeah, part of the song dealing with someone who could, who could have been a musical director in many ways probably is he is yeah i think he does yeah he does that at like the moment yeah, he, once he quits when he really wanted to <laughs> he was to be a musical director it's yeah like it, it yeah it, it's just beautiful i think that this album um really deserves better in the way that we commemor- commemorate it. Yeah. Um, I think it's no question that this is one of the most successful Guaito albums that exist. Mm-hmm. So it's not so much about, and it's probably very few people who are black you'd go to speak to about TKZ and Halloween who wouldn't recognize it. Yeah. It's just about... The academic work. Not, not even academic, I think, because academic is going to stay in one thingy. But maybe just, you know, journalism is not academic. Mm-hmm. Just like how much more can we read about this? What new fresh angles? Yeah. Why don't I was reading a Lauren Hill piece? Um, I think it was twenty years of miseducation. Yeah. Like last year. Yeah. Or something. as well. Same year as TKZ's. Yes. Yes. So yeah. it was twenty years of miseducation two years ago, and the sort of there's a book on twenty years now mm-hmm. on miseducation. Sorry. Mm-hmm. And you know I was reading a piece on title on the New York Times, yep. New Yorker. Um, she had a global tour for the album exactly mm-hmm. and just people going oh what we can learn from miseducation mm-hmm. this is how miseducation and it would be so wonderful mm-hmm. if, um, we can have that. if we could do stuff like that on a very real level like this is what it's changed last year no in 2017 I remember um, I went to stay fresh mm-hmm. and the only reason I went to stay fresh I remember AKA was on the lineup mm-hmm. and a bunch of other guys, but I saw TKZ on the lineup mm-hmm. and I was like getting into my Guaito obsession. And I went, I have to go to Stay Fresh. I love Guaito, I love TKZ more than everyone in this bitch. And um, Stay Fresh gave me some free tickets. I remember that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But what was interesting was getting to the concert and um, 
Because no one was actually talking. I mean, I mean, I know that I'm not special in growing up about Guaido, but no one was going on about Guaido in the present day as much no, as I was. No, yeah. So when I went in there, Konigafa was driving, right? Yeah, yeah, I didn't expect to get there and then see so many people there to see TKZ. Mm-hmm. But I was still thinking, okay, these people are here because AKA is coming and all the squares girls are coming. Yeah, I think Youngster. Yeah. And then um, I remember like pushing my way to the front. And then um, TKZ basically performed the whole of the Halloween project. Wow. And what was interesting, and these guys are guys from, not TKZ, like our crew, like everyone was in the audience, are guys from probably from 19 to 27 maybe and everyone was rapping along Mm -hmm. word for word Mm -hmm. to each track and those guys basically played the whole project and then i went wow this is an album that has had a deeper impact longevity a longevity like the fact that people can know all that because you could know songs from way back when but you will forget over the years so it means people are still going back and they're listening to that stuff and then i went this is a seminal piece of yeah yeah i'm really hoping that one day that uh more will be done i'm kind of hoping that cc actually publishes the piece online one day and have it just a little bit more accessible for people that can't get the book but get the book it's really good <laughs> as well i think you should do that um but yeah it's, it's just a it's just a beautiful beautiful album and it, it represents so much beyond just the aesthetics of happiness and you know fun times i think music is more than that it's spiritual yeah and no one really Things also deeper technical. than it's technical. I think we have to stop um, dealing with it on a superficial level. Where oh, it was a really s- nice sounding song. Identity politics. This is where they kind of <laughs> anyway. So um, also, I think another thing that we thought of then is sort of the legacy of TKZ and um, how we got to this position. I think what we didn't cover here was the, I guess, socioeconomic background <laughs> shout out, <laughs> out Manny Walters, Walters. Um, <laughs> was the social economic background of these artists because Ozwai, Baila, um, Tukulo and and Kabelo were these interesting figures who as much as Wabekulele Lokshini they were people who went to St. Stithians Drakensberg Boys mm-hmm. they are spoke really nice English you know they, they, like they're they, the model C's with the yep. twangs and yep. stuff yep. so they occupy a very interesting place in Kwaito really interesting place in Kwaito and because of that. for me when I think about New Wave now mm-hmm. you had a uh, you had a piece in the mail in Guardian called The Descendants of TKC yeah looking at two direct descendants who will get into who fall part of the bigger picture of New Wave. Yeah. Um, Stiff Pup yeah. and Bougie Pantsula who um, released an album last year, the demo, and Stiff Pup released an album this year as well as an EP, Stiff Pup Radio. They're based on the call also. Based on the call in 2017, yeah. yeah. And then the Stiff Pup Radio in 2019. And kind of the interesting thing about them is that um, they're students from UCT, yeah. Cape Town. Um, possibly have the same middle class background that we're trying to reference with TKZ. Um, and they're doing what we can call white music. I know Stiff Up has this thing about that word and recently they've taken on the term post Guaito. Uh, when they released based on the whole story, they called the music future gong trap, mm, um, which uh, I made a little bit more sense. But I wonder, yeah. sorry, I wonder how much of them because okay the the post bomb trap because there were a lot more bomb than guaito but i wonder how much of it now the guaito thing is based on everybody shoving guaito down their throats mm. and then also the sampling of mm. guaito and sort of mm. guaito mm. now now well listening to their out al- that's a good point listening to their album the stiff pop radio album uh i think there was really one song that was really straight in your face like okay this is guaito but they, I, I'll give them their, their thing, their props. Uh, they do have a lot of experimenting that they do with their music. Yeah. I heard a lot of references to Yeezus as mm. an album um, in terms of their sonics. But that's a good point. I mean, but at the end of the day, I also feel like they can't also just be out here saying that they're above Guaito. I'm not saying that that's what they're saying, but to to to, to kind of shy away from it when it really is the, I don't know, the blueprint of what you're you're making, even from the fact that you dress in the Kwaito Pansula overall, when you're presenting it, 
I but, don't know. But, but I don't think they always dress like that. Steve Bob didn't always dress like that because what I can trace that wardrobe to is Afro punk. Yeah, when they won the Battle of the Bands Battle of the Bands. Before that, I don't recall Steve Bob doing that. And mm-hmm. and we must remember because Steve Bob shame to their defense or whatever never came forth and said we're doing good and this is what they say in yeah, interviews yeah, yeah. even now no, yeah. but you had people like me calling them the descendants of TKZ yes. or going oh this is reminiscent of Guaido and maybe I don't remember the song that they, they debuted at Afropunk because I wasn't at Afropunk mm-hmm. um, it's probably something from Based on a Call story no no this is after Based on a Call because Based on a Call was a lot more like gom electronic future gom um, trap, future <laughs> trap yeah. things going on yeah. But now, sonically, okay, well, it's and even aesthetically because yeah. they weren't wearing overalls no, they and w- stuff they like that. They um, weren't. Well, I, know, I mean, that's a good observation. I kind of think that um, they don't have to really run away from the term as as as. Okay, I'm not saying they run away from that term, but I I don't think it's, uh, yeah. P- look, post post quite though looks good on the paper, but I mean, at the end of the day, if it is what it is, then you can't really shout that's your roots yeah um is what i'm trying to say yeah. essentially but um and an interesting thing about them and the producer is it jackenda jackenda yeah um i was reading an article about them in the lake and uh, there was this discussion about the fact that they in some sort of way were the catalyst for what we think of as new wave uh quite though we're going to reference the other artists right um Fiction and MX. But see, this is interesting. Well, so, so Jakinda was talking about the fact that he's produced for those guys, and uh, he was like, "Well, you know, it's, it's interesting that you know new wave fight was a thing, but it's, it's almost it almost sounds like he wanted to say that a lot of it started with us." And I'm really, really, really interested by what he means by that, knowing that okay, Malum Cool Cat, I was about and even to more say, so Matambo, yeah, was doing yeah. what. I hear them doing in 2016, but they yep. were doing that in 20 yep. early 2010. So I don't know. I'm, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to dog these guys. I don't mm. think they're bad. I, I really like some of their songs, but I I, j- I just think there's a lot of uh, ways that they can uh, <laughs> frame their references. Yeah. And uh, I I I think it's 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 cool for them though to really be at the center stage of what we understand of you know of this thing called new wave quite mm. which. Yeah. And then it just becomes like a train for you to mm-hmm. jump on. But my question was kind of like, okay, what makes Stiff Pop, Darky Fiction, Mixed Blouse, Bougie Bansula, Robin Third Floor, who released albums this year and the previous year, what makes them Different. New Wave quite yeah. though? And what um, Questa does with Spirit and Good as just quite though influenced? But these are, I think we must acknowledge that these are artists who have before anyone else has also identified them they're self-identified as hip-hop artists oh yeah okay you answered it yeah. and that's also what they sound like you can't run away from the fact that uh-huh. Questa is a straight-up rapper and they didn't create that space for guys for themselves or whatever <laughs> they just went you know um, it's, I think Questa might be the one who does it in, in the rappers who does it most authentically and the best which is which is another yeah who yeah. does it yeah. best yeah um, he might be the one artist who we genuinely believe. I feel what he's saying. Mm, yeah. mm, mm. But you can tell that these are all hip-hop artists. Mm-hmm. So when people like oh, Steve Bab, Bujibanzula, Daki Fiction, and Sp- all these... Mm-hmm. Uh, um, okay, yeah, I mean, there's books, but oh, Spook Matambo, no, no Malum Kuket didn't really sort of identify as no, Guaido. Yeah. They, were, they were starting something new in the yeah. South African context yeah. as well. But with, with these new people now... Yeah. I think it's it's a lot clearer that these people, even if they, because they're not really going, we're Guaido. They're going, oh, yeah. we're post-Guaido, we're new, mm-hmm. Guaido, we're genre-fluid. We're alternative hip-hop. We're alternative hip-hop, yeah. all these things. Uh-huh. But there's a lot more space. But those other guys, because when we talk about that thing, we're talking about mainstream hip-hop artists. Yes, good point. You're right. So the Mzansi Hip-Hop and Guaido Music Awards mm. has a new category called New Age Guaido. And I'm like, all right, maybe I'll see something that's going to interest me, like Darky Fiction or something, because I thought mm-hmm. they had a really good year in 2018. The nominees were, as expected, KO, Casper Nieves for what I believe was his album last year, Sweet and Short, yeah. and Questa. And I thought that was a, uh, the mainstream, going back to the mainstream point, I thought that was a missed opportunity for that 
award to recognize look there's some there's new young talent, talent yeah. you know um that are actually doing the new wave kwaito term that you're trying to uh, establish and reward and um i think it's also going back to the framing of what we think of as new wave or what we think of as just a sampling yeah uh, tactic which the new wave new wave doesn't rely on sampling no either no way. it's straight from it's new, whatever you say about yeah, them they're yeah. making those they're making it from fresh scratch. yeah yeah obviously um, um nothing new is under the sun so there's a reference but of it's course, like but it's not relying on that let me just take what um you know uh, Bumshaka beach, did yeah. and then just flip it a bit and then you'll, you'll sing to that uh i think the the initial point we were trying to make was talking about the identity politics and mm, what it has mm. to play in the way that uh we consume this music uh we've mentioned a lot of these cats and uh just doing the research um mixed blouse bougie vanzula it's in the name um uh, um stiff pop docu fiction come from middle class i would say backgrounds institutionally maybe more so i don't know what they mm, grew up yeah with. but institutionally. institutionally they had um proximity to whiteness <laughs> that's what we think of as middle class so when we're listening to these songs or when we're um consuming these songs um one of the things that comes to my mind is looking also at TKZ was there ever a question of like is this a performance uh or are they really about that life you know to put it in a colloquial term i think for me it's always interesting cuz okay like on the sidelines like just you hear people whispering about how oh yeah camelo might have lived in the township but he was a son of a reverend mm-hmm. or whatever mm-hmm. but when i think in terms of mainstream guaido i mean you think about I think um, Magesha's dad owned Kaiser, was something in kaiser chiefs or something apparently like that apparently so magesh's yeah. gang rich <laughs> but um when you think about tkz and when you think about sort of the artists that they were in the company of and the artists who embraced them and it's always interesting when i think about um dr mahel mm-hmm. being on tkz family mm-hmm. and being and this guy as well. and everyone just like sort of people who in any other context were like hi i'm a model see all these things mm-hmm. and then when they interact with tkz sort of that i've never seen that come up i'm not going to lie mm-hmm. not that, not there that hasn't been a single piece of literature at least from internally yeah. in the quieto thing that We're has also gone in 20, so maybe yeah. too, but today, i think yeah. i think perhaps now because i do think if we're thinking of guaido as and I, I don't mean as an apolitical thing but as a thing where people were really focusing on identity politics i think identity politics has a huge play now are a major thing yeah. now yeah. and i think that's why when we hear the buji bansulas the stiff pops the everyone's we go how much of this is musicality yeah i actually i actually think um we might be in the minority um when we think of these things i don't know if a lot of people question that i just i, I see people enjoying the music as they should you know i really don't think these guys are but in how we write about them it, i've written ha- about them oh, well, yes, yes, about, but in terms of yeah. how they no but even not just me but i'm saying like i've also been guilty of doing that but in terms uh, of how we write about them mm. identity seems to take yeah with with docu fiction i remember or not that i remember i just especially the documentary. the documentary that was about identity going into that documentary um the identity of you know south african versus international and their whole agenda as a group as well is to basically make south african music great again <laughs> uh you know i think that what they are doing is very earnest and I, i like their mission i like their mission statement basically to not so be americanized whatever that we do um yeah but just just listening to it as well i i just kind of wonder about okay well it it also comes from a very very interesting um, position um how many people from the townships are making white music that we don't know about but don't have the same access as a docu fiction and uh you know and the same access to producers or to studios yeah. or any linkage yeah. to yeah. Adidas and sponsoring it's, it's, um, but not to no, I'm not taking a shot at them I'm just thinking no. about the the way that they position anyone, anyone. no they they the positioning is a little bit different to people that possibly are or always creating quite though because this is idea that quite though is dead but they live in a socio economically challenged <laughs> 
background. Uh, it's an it's, it's it's not they don't have the same access. Yeah, I think that's like a major part of my beef with um. And I know that I've I've partook in it, so it's not it's not a call out on anyone more than it is a conversation, because we had a moment. Um, I think I, well at least for me, that's how I got to writing about Guaido. Was imagining the black South African. And going, but this is what the black South African is or whatever. And understanding that I'm a black South African. But there's sort of, um, I don't know how to say it, a form of, I don't want to call it cosplay because there's an authenticity to it. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, we have the performance in dual, it. we have dual upbringings mm -hmm. where you know and you go to some private school mm -hmm. that's a like a very realistic thing maybe what we're talking about is the believability of whatever that these guys are trying to do yeah but i think it's also then how are you selling the south african because what's happening mm. now is we're going we need a south african aesthetic <gasps> let's grab on to quite <laughs> And I'm which, so yeah, which I think it also goes back to my beef about nostalgia as well. Mm. With those rappers, the KOs and them, and Kid X and whatever. Um, I can't remember what the other dude's name was in Tear Gas. But you weren't thinking of doing that when Trap was hot. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, it, it sounded cool to sound like whatever Drake or Migos record was out. And then it's suddenly like, okay, well, South African works now. Let's pump that in our veins and put it in the, in the music. But looking at the new wave cats... Um, yeah, cosplay. That's uh, I, yeah. Going back to the be believability of what they're doing, you know, like we're talking about what Steve Pup wears, and they wear, you know, for the performances. I was watching their ballroom set, and they had that 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 okay. that attire, the yeah. overalls, yeah. And um, you know, it's hard for me. I I, I don't wanna always want to say when an artist does something, a lot of it, a lot of it is because they're trying to, you know, sell something. I, I do that sometimes, like, you know, when Bruno Mars had the whole doo-wop phase and then suddenly he had the whole 90s R&B phase and then he'll have the James Brown. It's just like, okay, well, Bruno Mars is just at, the, at, at, at any point, whatever he wants to be because it sells. Or he becomes like a wrestler where he, he rebrands. Um, you know, it's not so much about being an artist, but the gimmick of it. Yeah. And um, I don't necessarily see it with the new cats. I really think that they genuinely genuinely love the music that yeah. was in South Africa at a certain period of time. But I think also another thing is sort of how good we are as South Africans at code switching and mm -hmm. how mm -hmm. as South Africans we're always, you know, dealing with, because we do consume a lot of Western, even if it's black. I, I believe we're a Western country. Yeah, we feel entitled yeah. to black Western media yeah. because it's still black. Yeah. Um, maybe particularly as people who participate in the middle class in certain ways we feel very entitled to that because it's black it's culture, but we're also still very in touch with um, and I think maybe like to speak for people like Chaba from Bushi Bantula it's you know going when I speak English I don't know what Essie would sound like on an English um, record <laughs> but then I know that I'm also very much capable of speaking like a closer person Mm -hmm. One time code switch. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of the... Um, the duality of man. The duality of man. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Philosophers in this house. Yeah. But it, it's sort of... I don't know how we could reconcile that. But I think these are questions that we both have in mind. Because yeah. especially when you think about how hot it is now. Yeah. It, to it, reference I mean, Guaido. Like, and it's not to place it just on them as well. Because I also kind of don't believe Casper enough. When he makes a Guaido album, I don't believe Casper. Period. I don't <laughs> know. Well, yeah, all of the songs have like you know demo mm. versions of other people's. But songs. I think but one it, person yeah. that we really must go into, um, particularly because they've covered um, identity politics so well, is Mitz Blouse. Mm -hmm. Because who had my favorite album of this year in terms of the new wave Guaido discussion uh, remix. Remix, yeah. yeah, which is which is a very very witty. Um, Re MX. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, mixed blouse, like, um, and I, it wasn't that, because I know we were reading the Lake article where they were complaining about the fact that, well, not complaining, let's say, critiquing the fact that, um, first of all, they said that their music is not alternative. It's not. You just view it as alternative because, the way because you're seeing a gender non binary person. Um, and I think what they covered, even though that was gender politics, they covered the 
sort of our qualms of identity politics so well mm -hmm. because the whole thing is okay when you're talking music why don't you critique my music and not just mine and not Queer just and there's um politics exactly exactly yeah. and there's like when you listen to even it's like mixed blouse is giving you quite dope tracks that are still hot in 2019 yeah. um the rapping is flawless the mixed blouse is literally I would argue probably at the forefront sonically oh, yeah. of this new wave thing yeah. because there's there's a swag about them that just can't be replicated. They feature on the Josh Java album as well. The Kulova. Oh my god. Kulova, the Kulova track. Yeah. yeah. yeah They're just like. And it, I, it, it, it turned the album out for me. Literally. Yeah. There's just something about them where. And it's, it's just about. Um, and I think that's maybe because they're also in this conversation we're having about okay, how far do identity politics go? Because they're just like, I am an artist. And you can hear them pushing. And I think maybe that's also why we have these questions about the authenticity of our new wave Guaito now. Like, as much as I love Daki fiction, when I hear um, a lot of their records, I'm sort of going. How much of this is you going? Because you you guys have clearly deliberately gone, oh, the local South African sound is quite dull. Mm -hmm. um, Hip-hop, not South African. Yes, I mean, they say a, a bunch of things, jazz funk, Afro-funk, quite dull, but quite dull at the center of it all, yeah. The nucleus of it. But even, how are you going to call jazz funk South African? <laughs> or well, Afro-funk, sorry, not jazz funk. Mm, but yeah. Mm. But, but generally, I, I, I but point. also sonically in terms of where they go, mm -hmm. sonically. Mm -hmm. So it's just like... I think that I um, I never want to question an artist for what they're doing. Um, unless they're mainstream. I don't give a you know, damn about mainstream artists. I really think that a lot of it has to do with the fact that you want to make money. But because these guys aren't mainstream, or these people aren't mainstream... Um, they are alternative. But these guys are alternative. Like Not alternative in the sense of the sound is alternative. Yes, it is, but it isn't. But the fact that they are in the periphery. But these are guys who are pushing towards the mainstream. You recognize that, especially when we're talking about... Are they? If we're talking about today's sound, years from now, our mainstream people... Mm -hmm. I mean, I recognize that moment everything is happening, but if we're talking in our age group, and particularly our people, I'm telling you They're now... Gonna be mainstream? Stiff up... Darky fiction, that's our future. I think there's a lot of uh, changing of the sound that they'll need to do for it to be mainstream, just knowing what South Africans like. I don't think South Africa is ready for Stiff Pop Radio on a Metro FM in the midday, the same way that they were ready for Kara Kara in mm. the midday. But that's just a sonic discussion. Mm. I mean, my point is that for now, while they're still in this um, independent, um, you know, little fish zone. I think I I'm, I'm uh, I tend to believe them a little bit more. I want to give them that benefit of the doubt if we're talking about whether this is a performance or not. Um, also knowing that it, it's quite though it's just beloved by everyone. Yeah. You know, it, 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 I can't really be like, oh, you you don't you love quite though name five songs. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know it's just like um, if if you're gonna do it, of course. I mean, I'm sure that had a big impact in your life when you were growing up. Um, it just it just becomes really interesting when at the center of it we're not even discussing the fact like I did mention that they could be artists in the township yeah just because yeah. they don't have the same access to the producers that you guys have aren't getting that same platform and I know it's not your fault you although know. these guys are their own producers to be fair to them uh, uh, some of them but I know that uh, cats like uh, Albany Law shout out Albany but Albany Law is like and specifically and, and, and um, who was on the remix album but I, I, I just I mean they there are a lot of different producers who are based in the you know local scene right now but who probably don't have the contacts with you know people who stay in the township or don't study at UCT you know so that's a little bit it makes major, it yeah. it's a major it's a major boost I mean it's in it's in the same way well okay you're not um, mainstream but you have a little bit of that that current or that momentum or whatever that can push you towards something whereas if I stayed in like Mulasi straight up and yeah. didn't have the same yeah I think um, a good question that we would ask sort of to wrap it up is um, do any of the new wave Guaito artists stand a chance of mainstream crossover 
um, going into your your point about the fact that they're gonna be mainstream in the future for our generation. I think it'll take, like I said, it'll take a lot of change for each of them. Um, the one thing that I'm, I'm really interested by is the fact that Mixblaus does really the the most quite sounding music. Definitely. But South Africa won't accept them in a mainstream level. And I mean, that obviously has to do with the fact that our politics with, um, you know, queer people is not the, is not the best. Um, no matter how progressive our constitution is. Yeah. Um, because there's no reason why Mixbar shouldn't be on Metro FM right now or shouldn't be on Trace or Channel O. And instead, you're just going to give me Casper again and again <laughs> and again. Um, I think they have the best chance. Um, Step Up's already playing overseas. I don't uh, yeah, know. It's going to be interesting yeah. thinking about are they going to crack it here or are they just going to be successful? I mean, going successful? back to that category thing, like the fact that all of them were omitted. I'm just like, wow. Like in the year that Ducky Fiction released their EP last year, that made waves. Steve Puff making waves. Robin Third Floor with his album. And you place none. No one thought to add them. You know, I, I, I just think that speaks to the fact that we have so much to do as a South African pop culture to really start stretching our imagination of what we think of as Kwaito and not look at the rappers who want to do Kwaito because it's, they have money to pay for the studio time. Yeah, and to sample it here and there. Yeah, oh. yeah. So I'm, I'm, what do you think? Do you, I mean, you said the whole generational things, it's just going to take some time, but when you listen to their records, do you really see it for them? Um, I think... Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's, when I think about New Wave Kwaito, I hear a lot of potential. I hear a lot of potential in terms of because what's happening is people as much as you know they're continuing their traditions or whatever there's a lot of forward thinking mm. there's there's a vanguardism which I guess it it, it, it goes back to those okay malum kuket moments which is or spook matambo which is why people are calling them okay malum um, tribute bands or whatever <laughs> but I think um, for whatever you know the politics that are there that are that stand and are valid but I think there's that, I don't know if you want to call it vanguardism, that innovation, yeah, that, innovation that is there. Experimenting. Yeah, I don't know if it's a resources thing, but I also think we're people who are very hungry for, you know, sounds that we can latch onto that represent us. Mm -hmm. Because as much as we like trap and we can relate to Nasty C or whatever, it doesn't represent the entirety of our experience. So we're all looking mm -hmm. to Stiff Bab. I'm looking to Bougie Banzula. I'm looking to darky fiction. Um, I like. That. I think mixed blouse. They're like they're good. I don't have many notes for them, but I think as far as most of the new wave people are concerned, I would think that I am latching on to more potential than I am to a, a steady sonic sound mm -hmm. that I think would be as definitive as mm -hmm. Halloween. Mm, yeah, well, they're going back to the Halloween discussion. Do the, Musically do the speaking, yeah. they're not on that level. That's well, just what I, mean, I feel. Yeah. There's a lot of South African artists who aren't. Uh, yeah, but now if we're them. talking about yeah, this wave, here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I like that. I, I think that, that's, that, that for me, that always should be the aim for any artist, um, speaking as a musician myself, to kind of continue the legacy of the previous, not just so much in the making of the music and releasing a song. That's cool. But in terms of um, having an... A having a body of work, maybe a catalog is a better word, that shakes the ground and um, really does something to change the way that we vi that we envision ourselves as South African music lovers. And um, yeah, I, I believe that all of them are great, and I, and I and I'm hoping that they're given a little bit more of a push mm. in terms of yeah uh, um, uh, airplay. I, I I always I'm always rooting for the underdog because in this case they are the underdog. Going back to the question of whether they'll be mainstream or not. So I'm always more um, accepting of what they're doing versus what, you know, I don't I know. It's it. not like I hate Casper yeah. episode. But like, <laughs> this yeah, is I'm, an I hate Casper episode. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Mm. I don't...
Thank you so much for listening. This was the second episode of The Deep Cut. Uh, just want to remind you guys to check us out on all social medias, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, the Deep Cut Pod. You can give us a follow or a like. And uh, yeah, don't forget to subscribe to us on Spotify, Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Give us a five-star rating. I think we deserve that. We're really good. And yeah, see you at the next episode. Yeah. Peace.